Hello, 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 everybody. This is No Chiplick Moments. I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. And today we are going to be talking about Supernatural Season 14, Episode 3, The Scar. Uh, this episode was written by Robert Behrens, Bobo Behrens, and directed by Robert Singer, Bob Singer. So we got so two. We got a Robert special. <laughs> we got a Robert special this this week. Yeah. Um, the description for this episode reads: "Still trying to solve the mystery of what happened to Dean, Sam enlists the help of Sheriff Jody Mills, who may unknowingly already be on the case." Castiel continues to be a father figure to Jack, who surprises even himself when a life is on the line. Ooh. Ooh. So we have a lot of chess pieces on the board, I guess, today. We, ha- we have a lot of characters this this week. For sh- mm-hmm. And as we get into it, I think um, we're, going, we're even going to be talking about characters who didn't appear on screen because we got a lot of wayward mentions here. Oh, hour. yeah. Yep. 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 I'm going to have a whole soliloquy on uh, all, the, all the wayward thoughts, <laughs> uh, all the wayward uh, groundwork this episode for sure. There. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, starting right off the bat, we are back to Dean and Sam. And the initial conversation, we don't know what the subject is, but (laughs) Dean is showing a lot of disgust. And as it goes on, oh, it's all sass that he is directing towards Sam's (laughs) grief beard. The grief beard banter. Sam, I can't sleep. I can't eat everywhere I turn. It just... (laughs) It's there, and it's staring at me. It's such a sibling thing to do. Like, the second that a sibling changes up their look, you're like, no, um, here's everything that's wrong with it, even if it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter what your opinion actually is, you're going to tell them why it's terrible. <laughs> it, it was a great, it was a great, oh, like, oh, cold open for Dean's back. Yay. Yes. And, like, really trying to reinforce for us that Dean's back and he's the same guy that he was before. I, it was it was really good and then they're like they're going through the halls and dean's ragging on sam and sam's like you know some people like it and and and, and dean goes like full fashionista like nobody likes it. <laughs> yeah just like put it put it away just oh no he says yeah duck dynasty called and they just want it all back it was so and then like yeah the hand gesture being like sam yourself package yourself up uh-huh. and like direct mail yourself to those guys it, it, yes, very, very over dramatic fashionista. It was, it was great. And then they round a corner, and uh, Dean says, "You know, it's just really good to be back home." Yeah, and to have that thought juxtaposed immediately with this swarm of hunters that are populating the war room he's like oh wait like this might be home sweet home but it's not the home i knew anymore right he he trailed off on that because he, he just got slapped in the face with all this bustling activity of the hunter hub and me i'm i'm still cheering hunter hub hunter hub but dean yes. is obviously immediately just put on his back foot here yeah, it's again, it's the place where he calls home and he would have had a memory of it when he left. But in the time that he's been gone, things have transformed in this way and he just wasn't there to witness it. And you, B, you know I have feelings on this whole, like, Dean 
Uh, oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. There, there may or may not have been a thick in the works, but it kind of fizzled out for me. But I uh, just, just, just Dean's feelings on coming back to this like stranger in a strange land world, um, and 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 yeah, this home that has found a new rhythm and pattern, and he doesn't know the tempo, he doesn't know the beat, and he doesn't even know if he can match the steps to it just yet. It's all too new to him, and he almost wants to take a step back from it and like, okay, I don't want to engage with this just yet. I'm going to go and look at what I know is the bigger problem, and that problem is Michael. Yeah, but first, we do mm-hmm. have... A, we have reunions! A little a little reunion, right? Yeah, Jack's the first to spot that Dean's back, and he asks in this incredulous way, like, is it really you? And Dean is good old Dean at this moment, or at least giving the impression of it, and gives the kid a hug, and Cass comes into the room, and Cass is just beaming and dean just like gives this assured nod like hey good to see you and cast cast comes into the room to a swelling music yes on a swelling i have musical that written note. down too <laughs> cast walks into the music swelling <laughs> and he's just beaming joyful like he's so glad that dean's back and i'm sitting there like did no one fucking call them like you just had a 10 hour drive from duluth and you're like <laughs> dean they- yeah, there had to have been the call, but I think it would still be one thing to hear the news and then to actually see it. Because these are characters that so often get used to the rug being pulled out from underneath them. That would be like, okay, yeah, you got Dean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be a 10-hour <laughs> drive. Something's going to get fucked up along this way. So, like, I'm going to reserve my hope until I see it in person. It was good. But then, but then again, Dean is pretty overwhelmed in this moment and he takes a step he removes himself from all the concern yeah dean is seeing a lot of activity going around on him and he's getting a lot of emotions put towards him and one of the first things that he said with sam on this episode is like he cut sam off from asking him if he was fine just assured yes i am Oh, my cat fell. (laughs) She ran like a furious devil out the room. She's like, I'm embarrassed. Don't look at me. (laughs) But yeah, he just genuinely wants to go back to situation normal. And I think having so much attention on him from Sam, Cass, and Jack at the same time is just reinforcing the fact that something happened here. And so Dean wants to just go back to routine. So he's going to excuse himself saying he needs to shower. Yeah. And he goes back to his room and he starts shedding the last pieces of the, of the Michael monkey suit. Even though, you know, Jensen, I got to hand it to you. That was a pretty good look on you. The, the... It was a good look. <laughs> uh-huh. And like the fact that it was still Michael's clothes, but you could see that it was Dean wearing it. And Dean's discomfort with the look when Jensen is able to play Michael as being so confident with it. I'm like, good good layers going on, literally and figuratively. Yes, yeah, it was good. And, and But as he's taking off Michael's shirt, he notices the scar. The scar. Every Dean's time I say the, the scar. The namesake. Every time I say the scar, I'm going to use the same, like, gravitas on it, the ominousness. <laughs> 
Yeah, and yeah, it's the it's the new shoulder scar on Dean, the scar 2.0. Different shoulder. And... Don't sully my memory with <laughs> of the handprint. Uh-huh. Yeah, he is stripping his clothes off and when he looks in the mirror, just peeking out, he frowns down at what he sees. And okay, not to um, not to skip over this too, but we were getting a voiceover of Cass and Sam voicing their concern for Dean at this moment too. And Sam saying like, the truth is, is we don't know anything of like what Dean went through, what's going on. And Cass just wants to know how Dean really is. They're looking for the truth, the honesty of this moment. Because when you think of what happened and what Dean went through, it's a pretty traumatizing thing. Like you were possessed by somebody else and you were, you're doing a big old murder out there that you're not in control of. It was Lucifer levels of what the fuckery. Oh, speaking of Lucifer, like we get that toss away line of Sam going, how's Nick? And then Jack and Cass being like, oh yeah, we lost him. Uh-huh. It's, it's exactly, he- I literally laughed out loud because it was exactly what I said last week. Like, hey, Sam's going to get home and Cass is just going to be standing at the bottom of the stairs like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd be like, listen, I did my best, okay? Like, I left him phone messages. I was calling him. He wasn't answering. And he left a note basically being like, I'm going through my big emo phase. Don't try and contact me. Goodbye. <laughs> like, okay, bye, Nick. We won't see you this week. But yeah, so Dean has spotted the scar on his arm. And we cut over to the next scene where he's dressed himself up in his good old earthy tones. And he is just... Once again, pushing forward, he's going, we got to find out how this happened because this must have happened while Michael possessed me clearly. And so if something was able to injure him, we need to know what that something was. So he like bangs his fists on the table. He's good to go, assuring them that a Vulcan mind meld is welcome. He goes, yeah, he's immediately just action. Cass, I need you to like figure out what's going on. That little drum drum cutie. I mean, I yeah. was... And be like, come on, hit me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He, and uh-huh. It, he leaves it to Sam and Cass to be more worried. Like, Dean, you just had someone inside your mind controlling you for three weeks, and now you are inviting someone else in just like that? Like, it's no big deal? Like, they're expecting Dean to be in a more fragile state than Dean is willing to admit or to even let on. Yeah. So Cass approaches with caution, but he does he he does dive in. Yeah, there is a level of taking Dean at face value. Like you that's what you want to say you are. You say you're fine. Okay, we're going to have trust that you are being honest to us. So let's go ahead. And yeah, so Cass touches Dean's temples. They do a quick flashback of the things that we've seen Michael do this season, but it's not enough. We don't get the insight we need. So then we have that diving deeper moment where Cass pulls back and and, and, uh, Dean seems a little shook, but he's determined to keep going because he knows, just like Cass knows, that they haven't got what they needed. So Cass grabs his shoulder at the scar and really you you can, I, I don't know. How did you read how that was affecting Dean? What, what I took, um, Cass grabbing the scar itself was, is like doing a reminder of the physical presence of it. And that 
Dean seems shook up about it. I think that there is a level of digging through repression that he wasn't anticipating. So it might not be what we should read just as textual, um, but there is definitely the impression that we're supposed to get that this is a traumatizing thing for him to go through, this undigging of the memories, and that the memory itself that is being found was not a pleasant one. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's like uh, on on first look, we're going back on all the things that we've seen as the viewer in the past two episodes. But for Dean, it's uh, and what we have seen is murder, murder and and conspiracy and an army of monsters. And especially if these uh, memories hadn't been clear to Dean before to it's a lot, it's a lot to take in now. Yes. Yes. Because so far Dean has given the impression that what he went through hasn't shaken him whatsoever. And so the question remains, you know, is he lying or does he genuinely not remember? And so if he doesn't remember, then having these things dug up there, it's going to be a shock and it's going to be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And yeah, Dean is twitching his way through that and they see a figure appear from the memories that Dean is summoning forth. There is the stab wound that this figure has caused on Michael's arm. And when Cass stops the mind meld that he's doing right now, the first thing he asks Dean is, who was that? And and Dean says, I don't know, but we cut immediately to Sam, Cass, and Dean gathered around the phone. And let me just say, it was like, they were really cute in that moment. They're gathered around the phone um, talking to Jody. Oh, no, we cut yes. we cut to Jody. And yeah, Jody is receiving a text message from Claire. And it's this super cute domestic little thing. Like, I finished laundry. Now, do you have any like good chores for me? Any good old monstery chores? <laughs> and Jody, we get this unspoken um, backstory of what's going on with them since last time we saw them, that they've negotiated out this truce where if Jody has a case and it's strictly human related, then Jody takes care of it. But if it's monster related, then she will let Claire know and Claire will get to participate on it. Yeah. And this is this is a big move from really what we've seen from any Jody and Claire. Um, you know, it started out with, with Jody just adamantly against Claire hunting monsters, but Claire went off into any went off and would just do it anyways. And through the past few years, we've been moving towards an acceptance of 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 Hunter Claire, uh, Jody becoming more accepting of that. And this is finally we seem settled and content in that dynamic. Well, on a surface again, because as we get later in this episode, we can start seeing the tension that Jody carries with this because. Jody still carries a very protective nature in her, and she still has a lot of fears revolving around Claire going down this life path. But yeah, um, Jody takes the call, and she's immediately assuming that it has to do with Dean. She's asking if there's any news, and I, I like how Sam sort of slaps Dean into talking, <laughs> just nudges his arm, and then Dean, hey, Jody, and she's so relieved to hear Dean speak. Yeah, we have. Dean, Sam, and Cask all gathered around the table, like talking on speakerphone. Uh, 
It's a, it was a good so shot. Cute. It yeah. was really cute. Um, I think that the directing in this episode was really good too. So yay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, Cass basically is like, well, that's the good news part, and it's like, oh crap, what's the bad news? <laughs> and um, they think that whatever killed Kaya is somewhere out there, and so they ask Jody if there's been any sort of rift activity going on, and we get. A quick call back to what happened last season at the ferry where Rift had opened into the bad place. And Jody assures us that there's surveillance out there and that Claire has like locked down that place too. She is, again, we're getting so much of an insight. We're getting so much insight into what Claire has been going through since the last time that we saw her. Yeah, this is, um, as soon as Sam says uh, Kaya's killer you just see in Jody that just instant oh boy yeah there's this recognition and tension that was going on because she lost one of her girls that day like one of her new girls but one of her girls nonetheless she just knows that uh, this is big and we get more insight later on you know, why this is waking up some more worries for Claire in particular. Yeah, this is big bad yeah. news. But the scar that they mention from the vision uh, from Dean's memories also coincides with some scars that have been showing up in Jody's area. So she's like, what a quinky dink, hop on over. And so Sam, Dean, and Cass set to packing their bags and getting ready to head out. Well, not scars. She's got three bodies. She's got three headless bodies with a stab wound through the chest. So I, yeah, I guess technicality. <laughs> they haven't healed into scars and they never will. <laughs> yeah. So what she thought was just your uh, regular old ser- serial killer is, uh, well, now she has a different lead. To, oh, hey. <laughs> so yeah, um, Sam, Dean, and Cass are packing up their bags in the library and Jack catches them and goes like, oh, you're leaving? I want to go with. And he insists that Michael is his enemy and that he also feels this responsibility for having dragged Kaya into the life that they're leading. You know, mm-hmm. he was kind of the inciting incident for her fridging. And so he wants to go Ooh. and be part of the cleanup. B, ooh, throwing some shade there with your word choices, huh? <laughs> is it shade or is it just a fact? <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not disagreeing with you. No, I'm. <laughs> my hands are up on this it, one. It, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it, it's not shade. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Like, you, you had the character. She was a really cool, dynamic, interesting character who deserved a lot of screen time, and she got killed for tragic meaning towards another character's story. So uh, <laughs> what what could have been what could have been I I love it when B gets salty. It's usually I'm the one who's complaining all the time. This is great. This isn't even salty. Okay? I'm gonna call like, it salty because you you're welcome to, but I'm like, this is like this is reduced sodium salt. Like, it's not even nothing. Like I'll let you know when I get salty. You'll know when I get salty. Have Okay. Back. I look forward okay. to it. I look forward to the day. But mm. yeah. Whew. Scene. Scene. Okay. Sorry so. to interrupt. I keep, I keep, I keep <laughs> doing, like, pull, pulling you off track on this one. <laughs> 
no, it needs to be said. Like, poor Kaya can't get dismissed. I know. So easily, despite how the narrative did. And, like, knowing that Wayward wasn't going to get picked up and that there was the potential for her storyline to just end there, I'm glad that it wasn't left unresolved, that we were able to revisit it again in this episode and we can talk about it later mm-hmm. in further detail once we finally have Dean and Dark Kaya in a scene. Yes. But yes, for now, Jack wants to go and Cass and Sam are trying to be the nice dads and find a gentle way to bring <laughs> this to him. Like... On the last episode where Mary was able to say kindly but firmly, we need you to sit out. It's not permanent. And now we have good old Dean who's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you coming along with? Have you seen you? <laughs> and Jack is just like, wounded puppy, gotta wander hey, off. And a hundred pounds The wet. looks he's getting. Yeah, a hundred pounds soaking wet. Is, is, is specifically... <laughs> what he said and I say and I only and I only bring it up because I, I liked the line and I and yes Jack's face that just like oh, oh. <laughs> and he wanders off and then and then both the identical bitch faces from oh yeah from Cass and Sam, Sam looking like really and Cass having like the more disappointed really <laughs> and Dean's like oh yeah that was that was yeah I have this inherent dick this <laughs> the worst dick energy if you want to say it <laughs> just intrinsically comes out in these moments and he didn't mean to he just has his mind focused on you know, what's the next step? What's the next part of this action plan? And he doesn't see Jack as part of it. So, bip, bop, boop, let's get that cut off. Let's get on the road. Yep. And, but as they're heading out. Yeah. Jack, we watch him walk off and down the stairs comes another hunter named Jules. And she is carrying a victim with her that um, she's brought home from Wichita th- after killing this witch who seems to be leaving these desiccated corpses around town. And she's, yeah, so this girl is obviously not, stru- she's obviously struggling. She's, there's something wrong. Yeah, she's, she's not having a good time. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, Sam and Cass are like, what, what happened? What's, ha- what's up? And then, yeah, she, Jules explains the witch situation and Cass does his lay on hands on this young girl. And again, I'm like, Cass, I love you because I, I, we have a perspective that tells us about you, but look from this girl's perspective. Okay. She just got, I'm not going to say kidnapped, even though it's the first word to come to mind, but she's been taken from Wichita to this underground bunker. And the first thing that happens to her upon arriving here is this trench coated man <laughs> appears and puts his hand on her face. I know. Like, there's no hi, how are you or anything like that. It's just, I'm stick my finger on your face. I know. And then, okay, I guess I'm accepting this because this is my life now. There was witches, there's witch killing bullets. Okay. I'll just take that at face value. Uh, yeah, no, she she does like her her face when he just puts again not a oh, word. okay like is this a hand? Like, oh. <laughs> not a word to this poor girl. He just sticks her his hand in her face. It's a nice hand though. I have some thoughts about the Misha hand porn of this episode. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of Misha hand porn in this episode. I just call it as I see it, guys. No, yeah, that that was definitely there. It and it's a good uh-huh. one. 
But yeah, he he does that. And like to just add insult to injury for this poor girl, it like does nothing. So she's like, the fuck is this? Like, okay, now imagining, like, Jules and her sitting in the car drive there. Would Jules be like, don't worry, they have an angel at this bunker. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, like, okay, the passenger door's locked, I can't (laughs) leave this moving vehicle, but, like... (laughs) Kidnapping. How much worse could it get? First (laughs) word to come to mind, and you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Cass cannot heal this girl right off the bat. So he has, he decides to stay behind. And again, just like, okay, but to be fair, uh, last episode, they didn't do the thing that I thought they were going to do. But, but I had the same thought this time was, oh, we're shuttling off Cass. Like, uh, you've been so bitten by the show that I you're know. just ready for that to be like the bad scene coming to you. Luckily, we had, we still, we still had all of our leads throughout the entire episode. So, but, but, but Dean and, 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 uh, Cass says, I'm, I'll, you tell me. Yeah. So Cass makes the executive decision that he's going to stay back and see about helping this girl get her health back. And Sam initially seems unsure, but we're following this great trend of the characters trusting each other's vision or trusting each other's judgment. And so when Cass says, he says, when Cass says that he wants to stay, then Dean backs him up immediately. Yep, you got it under control. You go here, we'll go there. Yeah, and Sam, I think it's like, I, I think the telling moment of this scene was, I think Sam said, are you sure? Cass, are you sure? And uh, Dean said, yeah, no, let's go. Yeah, Dean just knows that Cass can handle it. And so it's sort of an item that he can tick off on the box, you know? That's going to be taken care of. We can well, focus on this. And he just wants to get out the door. Well, yeah, yeah. I I would not have read that as uh, Dean trusting Cass to handle the situation. Even though that's true, that was definitely not the thought in the moment. The thought in the moment was, let's go. Yes. Yes. He just has a head down, feet running approach to this episode and you can see sam lagging behind him and just wishing that dean could perhaps slow down and it's discussed in the very next scene sam and dean are in the impala dean is driving and we see the speedometer flexing above 70 and sam is being attentive to that fact that dean seems to be speeding towards wherever they're going yeah but it's not an unreasonable speed like the the speed limit would be about 70 on the actual road they're going down. So he's just gone up to 80. You know, he's not being reckless. He's just being decisive. Dean wants to go there and he's going to get there, get them there faster if he can help it. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, my only thought there was like, you know, that's a classic car. They don't, they don't go that fast. So <laughs> he, he was, <laughs> the, the engine would just be thrumming. They'd be yelling at ah. each other. Like. It's a muscle car, though. Aren't those supposed to be speedy, speedy go? Not that old. See, I know a little something, something about classic cars. And, um, I mean, really, I read that scene 100% as he was literally pushing it as hard as she would go. Uh, and, And that was concerning Sam. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, hey, who knows how Dean has tricked out his ride, but, but... Uh, uh, that vroom vroom of that scene I was just like she must be a rattling at this point maybe Mm -hmm. yeah 
I don't know. I must be coming in with the modern perspective. Like, 80? Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Well, well, so so Sam calls Dean out on, like, oh, you in a hurry? Um, and then, it, well, at first he calls Dean out, like, oh, you in a hurry? But then immediately gets a little bitchy about it, right? When... Yeah. Dean's just, like, what's the problem? Yeah. And then Sam says, like, oh, I'll tell you my fucking problem. We... I've been looking for you for three weeks. I haven't had a moment to breathe. You haven't had a moment to breathe. We need to slow down. Yeah, he he's bringing up like the five W's of Michael. We don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. And Dean gets a little flippant about it. Like, oh, we don't know his favorite Spice Girl. Like, har har, Dean. This is serious business. Right. And so Sam just... They're not at the same pace with each other right now. Sam wants to take a moment to examine what Dean has gone through and to, you know, to reassess what's the damage that we're working with. What are the repercussions of being possessed by Dean? And Dean... Of Dean being possessed by Michael. And Dean's having none of it. Exactly, yeah. Dean doesn't want anything to do with that examination. He basically wants to take the event of being possessed by Michael and stick it in a box and tuck tape that box shut and, you know, we hide our feelings inside and we pour booze over it to make the feelings go away. (laughs) He's not, we haven't seen him go to the drinking level of things yet, but he has done the the reverse unboxing. He's tucked that shit away. This is, this is quintessential Dean for sure. Um, and Sam says, just talk to me. We like take a breath. We need to, we need to get on the same page, which is valid. Uh, and he says, but when he says we need to slow down, he kind of, uh, what he says is he says exactly the wrong thing, right? He says, I've been looking for you and so scared for the past month. And for you, bam, you're back in the blink of an eye. Yeah, this might have been no time for you, but there's been time for me and I have jet lag that I need to work through. And as soon as Sam says that, Dean shuts down completely. He, you could just see it in his, in his demeanor, in his face. He shoots a little glance at Sam. Uh, As soon as Sam says, uh, you know, for you, you know, maybe it was nothing, but for me, this has been, this has been the worst month of my life. Uh, He doesn't say that, but paraphrasing. Yeah. Dean, when he hears that from Sam, he goes to change the subject by just telling him to do something else, you know? Text Jody, let her know, or like call Jody, let her know we're almost there. You know, let's change yeah. the subject. And then we vroom vroom out of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Dean is done. Yeah. He, there's nothing more to gain from that conversation because there's, there's assumptions that are coming in that he yeah. bristles up against. Well, I'm, I'm putting so much emphasis on this because this is exactly the moment that we revisit later. Yeah, no, honestly, because there there's so many subtleties that are going on throughout this episode overall. Like, at some point, you want to take your characters at face value, but there is also the fact that characters can lie. And so we don't always know when the characters are lying. And when the narrative allows us to see it in one light and then revisit it again in another, it's really a satisfying narrative move. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the moment that we're invited to 
revisit later. Ponderon, uh-huh. yeah. But from this scene, we carry into Sam and Dean meeting Jody in a forest. And let me tell you, I see that forest and I'm like, that is not in South Dakota. <laughs> Like I get, I get unreasonably angry. I go to Google oh Maps God. and I find something within there, and I'm like, "Yep, it is fucking flat ass prairie oh there." My God. I know what this should look like, and there ain't no forests that look like that. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I just become that anytime South Dakota. Comes oh my up. gosh. I don't even have any skin in you're the game, not even... but I'm like, don't do the prairies dirty. It's not in like, your country. No, it's not. But I'm like. This this boring ass piece of land looks like my boring ass piece of land, and it didn't look like that on screen. See, I we're being falsely representative as like deciduous and shit. No, no, hey, no. I grew up in a conifer state. Is that is that isn't it deciduous? Uh, con- we're a grass state. Like that's the thing. Well, no, I'm saying I grew up in a conifer state, and so for me, I'm like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, this is prairie. We had bison fucking stomping out any chance of trees. It was like, this is grassland. And then you tell me that the trees had fucking staked out a claim this large <laughs> in South Dakota. I ain't buying it. Yeah, I'm not, I've not been north of fucking Ohio, Heated. so. You can't. rant. Heated rant. I'm okay. It's a stupid detail. I know it's in Vancouver. <laughs> But I always feel done dirty when I see a fucking forest pop up where there should be. Oh my god. But granted, you know, okay, not to skip ahead, but if Dark Kaya was trying to hide out in South Dakota, she'd have to be crawling around on the ground in her belly. Like, she'd be going through canola fields, she'd be going through cornfields, it would be nowhere near as dramatic. Why is she even in South Dakota? (laughs) And, yeah, okay, can we just take a moment to discuss, like, what the fuck because I'm like, girl, you're hiding in, like, the same hundred acres of fictitious forest that belongs in South Dakota. Like, Michael could just seriously, like, radar track you in that little square. But you're so lucky that, like, you stabbed him and he got pissy about it. He's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to throw monsters at you until one of them succeeds. Because A, monsters are expendable. And B, I don't want you to wreck my clothes again. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I have a lot of feelings about this fucking fake forest that Kaya was living in, eating the same can of beans over and over. (laughs) Every time this girl gets fucking interrupted, she's got a can of beans to her mouth. She's like, oh shit, gotta run. I've got... Oh my god. Okay. I don't know if I'm gonna cut it, but there was definitely just a, 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 a real wet sploosh as I just spit take my water like <laughs> what the- <laughs> I'm sorry I I got quiet only because I was trying not to die <laughs> damage control damage control <laughs> like I I was like oh my god is there coke on my notes no okay we're good <laughs> oh my god okay yes <laughs> yeah so mm, what the I- Passionate about beans and forests. Okay, write that shit down on my resume. <laughs> I did get coke on my notes, but they're so legible. So, Aww. so I do know that we that we uh, are now in this forest with Jody, Sam, and Dean. This fictitious forest. and <laughs> the bullshit fantasy forest. This fantasy forest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
And then there's hugs. I know, I the hugs the are hugs. good. Jody gives Dean a hug. And, like, there's this cute little banner between them. Like, come on, would you bet on Michael or would you bet on me? And she's like, oh, you every time. I know. Like, just, oh, she's such a good mom. I'm like, good mom, Jody. I have got to take better notes because all I, I, I just have Jody in all caps underlined three times. And I know it was something that she said, but I have no idea what. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, Jody, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. She gives hugs to both the boys, and we get a quick rundown, like, Alex is still at the hospital, Patience is still at school, and Claire is still being Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jody compliments the grief beard. I guess yes. I can't call it and the grief beard see... anymore, but... <laughs> ah, it, it's the inspiration behind it, but yeah, she compliments the beard, and you can see Sam doing this look to Dean, like, uh-huh. mm-hmm, I told you uh-huh, so. Uh-huh, Actually, Sam does a lot of, like, background looks in the scene, and they're all yes. gold, solid gold. Again, they have such, they have that brotherly dynamic coming up in these moments that could be super serious, but, and they still are, but we get a bit of levity with it, too, just... Again, being reminded the characters are so familiar with each other, I'm like, chef kiss. <laughs> I'm going to read it as uh, Jensen and Jared just spent two to three weeks uh, not working together on set. <laughs> and this is the Jared Jensen reunion of 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 just like of so faces. so I think that in a lot of ways in this whole episode Sam just is quintessential bitch little brother but it, it's also it's yeah. also a little bit of Jared uh, puppy Jared did without his play toy for 2 weeks so <laughs> we're catching up <laughs> Yeah, we also hear from Jody that she's a little bit apprehensive about bringing the news of this case towards Claire because she wants to maintain this honesty that she and Claire have found of, you know, if something has to do with monsters, she'll bring it to Claire. And so to get around letting her know about this case right away, she's just avoiding Claire for the moment. Uh, I know. Um yeah, and I, I really do want to, like, Google Maps to figure out how long it takes to get from Lebanon to Sioux Falls because, uh, uh, like, what, did she sleep at the office? Like, what? <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is a very dark night. Like, does she have the next day off? Is this, like, a Saturday? I don't know how police shifts work. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. I shouldn't think about it in this detail. Oh, well, I, I had the same thought in a later scene, but... um. And Sam says, okay, so we think we're dealing, it's definitely not a serial killer, so we're dealing with something, and we think that that something is is Kaya's killer, so should we wait till morning, wait till daylight to, to track this thing down? And Dean says, no, no. Let's go. Like, why? No. Let's go. Now. And he just just stomps out into the woods. Yeah. Like, he is go. Once again, head down, feet yep. running. And, like, sidebar, but I do like that we get to see Sam and his serial killer obsession just crop up here. Like, he knows right away that it was Robert Leroy Anderson that was the serial killer uh-huh. that Jody was thinking about. And Sam... It says it so proudly, and Dean's just like, "Really, you're on." And that we get again? another like, look again. Faces, uh-huh. faces more yeah. faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because uh, uh, Jody brings up like, uh, "Yeah, I thought it was just a, a you know your run of the mill serial killer." First one Sioux Falls would have seen since, and then true crime Sam to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first one in about twenty five years, twenty three years, and 22? and then again, <laughs> I have no idea. 
It was 96. Oh, you actually did the math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you was, are the... Um, it was Piper Strail who was the victim that he got arrested for in 1996. And then um, through jailhouse informants, they also found that he had killed Larissa Dumaski in 1994. Oh, my God. You Googled it. I could tell you about it. I could tell you about it. <laughs> Googled it. Yeah. You're true the, crime obsession. You're the true crime nerd. Oh. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? What of it? What about it? Like, you want to start something? I think I just inadvertently imitated your Canadian yeah. And I apologize. Yeah, what about it, hey? <laughs> I'm, you want to talk about it something, hey? <laughs> That's not even Canadian. That's just me getting like shrill in offense. You shrill. You shrill. I, I, I hurt our listeners' ears on the reg, so they they probably Don't be a hoser. Don't be beaking me. What the fuck? Was that even English? Don't Don't be beaking me, Remy. <laughs> you keep beaking me? Okay, okay, I can't. I can't. Let's move on. I can I can I can dance all day. No, no, I don't. But yeah, Piper Strail, Larissa Dumaski, rest in peace. And yeah, so yeah, Dean does not want to wait till daybreak. He is like, it's dark <laughs> and spooky and it's a forest. It's a fictitious forest. Let's go. <laughs> Jody's a little bit like, okay, like, again, I, she doesn't really know what has happened to Dean and Dean has come to her pretending like all's well, like yeah. jokesy stuff. And yet... She can even pick up, okay, there's something a little bit off with him. Yep, yep. Dean just super gung-ho from, yeah. And now we have Jody and Sam exchanging those looks of... Yes, yeah. They're the new parents in the situation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But we cut back to the bunker where Jack is packing up his belongings in his bedroom and he leaves with his book bag. He's left a note on his bed that is directed towards Dean, Sam, and Cass. And as he is about to sneak up through the main stairway, he overhears Jules and Cass talking in the infirmary nearby. Yeah. And so he goes to the door, looks in, and instead of leaving, he asks about the victim and finds out more about Laura and that she's been enchanted, is how Castiel puts it. Yeah. And Jack's experience level interprets this back to fairy tales, like Sleeping Beauty. Uh, again, that, like, kind of... Well, well, we saw last season him, you know, like Luke Skywalker, and it's just so... It's he he's still learning. Yeah. And 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 when he said so like Sleeping Beauty in that hopeful tone, like so we're going to find uh, the equivalent of true love's kiss and break the enchantment. And uh, and Cass looks at Jack, obviously not wanting to, you know, disillusion him. But yeah. Yeah, Jack, Jack's found this measure of pride in being able to form a cultural analogy. And it hasn't quite met the mark, but Cass is, again, trying to be such a supportive dad that he doesn't want to break Jack's heart about this, but goes, eh, like, mm, not quite. Mm-hmm. And explains in about what they think the theory is going on and that they contacted Rowena, who suggested a reversal spell to help Laura regain her vitality. Yep. 
And and they're yep, and they're working on the reversal of yeah. yeah it, and and Cass is a bit distracted when he looks back to Jack. He goes, "Oh, are you going somewhere?" Like he notices the book bag only then. And Jack has made a decision in the time he's been here to say, "No, I want to stay." I wasn't going anywhere, basically. Yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you talking about? You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I only have a bulging backpack that has my entire cupboard in it, but yeah. I, I just carry that around the bunk. <laughs> Exercise. Um, I, my one big thought here is like, where was he going? What was, what did the note say? What is he doing? I, I'm so curious. I, I'm so curious. Like what it is. What it is, is just Nick's note refolded and put in an envelope. But, like, Jack's crossed out Nick's name and put his own. He's like, I'm going to go hike out and, like, do my own adventure. You guys don't trust me. Like, sweeps hair over one eye. I am I can do it on my own. I don't need you, Dad. Jack was just going to make it out on his own. Who knows where he was going with that book bag. But he's got gumption. He's got style. He'd make it far, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I mean... With all those bloody tissues. Spoilers, not spoilers. Oh, spoilers, spoilers not spoilers. Uh, B. I'm sorry. It's half hour spoiler. Cut it out. I don't care. <laughs> Cut that out. Cut that out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so yes. Yeah, so, say, uh, so, Jack, wherever he was going, whatever was in that note, which I'm still so curious about, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll just never know. Yeah. But he's going to stay because the Sleeping Beauty concept being played out in reality. I mean, that's not the reason why, but I'll say that flippantly as to why he's staying. (laughs) So we go back to Jody, Sam, and Dean now, and ta-da, it's daylight in the fictitious forest, and Dean is suggesting that they split up to cover more ground. Exactly. I was just like, have they been walking all night? Like, did no one... Again, Jody was like, I haven't, I haven't been home yet. Have they just, they, 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 what, what is did this? Did they take a nap or did they bring like a shitload of Red Bulls? No one's got Do a they backpack. they have the six hour energy drink? Like, what? no, no, Dean has a backpack. Oh, Sam has a backpack. Okay, okay, okay. Jody's playing loose from the hip. <laughs> I'm glad that you know these things. Yeah, I, I try and be attentive they pack those backpacks in the library i noticed that the duffel bag that Cass <laughs> was packing was also the color of his trench coat so i was like does Cass have his own bag or was he just packing one for those two and if it is his bag why did he pick like trench coat tan Cass was originally planning on going he's like i'm a fashionista too trench coat is my way i, like, I-, I did notice that the uh uh, uh, the only thing that we saw Cass packing away in his own bag was a wooden cru- crucifix. Like <laughs> He's like, this is holy. I need to bring this. I need something holier than me. Like, can he just make like a T symbol with his hands and that count? Like, he's an angel. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can you tell I'm a little bit tired? <laughs> no. But yeah. Dean suggests they split. And I love Jody's little hand gestures like, uh, no, like if we get a vote and she just like swoops between uh-huh. them, like, uh, I vote that we stay together. Uh-huh. Cause Dean wants to split the party and, and Sam says, have you never played D&D? We do not split the party. Basically like you want to roll badly and kill us all. Like <laughs> we don't need a TPK here. 
And 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 yeah, Jody's little um if I get a vote, then I say stick together. That was yeah. that was super cute. And I have one sentence here that just says looks. Like <laughs> again with the looks. Just look at each other, I yeah. know, I know. So many background looks with from Sam this episode. And they were all yeah. so expressive and so good, it was great. And and yes. and Sam uh, Dean just says fine and stomps off and then it's just like Yeah, he oh, just boy. blazes ahead mm-hmm. like he, he won't wait. And he f- eventually, through their, I guess, stumbling around, yeah. they find a fortified camp within this fictitious forest, and it has three piked heads on its perimeter. And lo and behold, Sam pokes at the mouth, and we find out that it was vampires. I just imagine that she's like in a little like five acre by five acre uh, uh, patch of trees behind some like mm-hmm. park in between a park and a highway, and and she's just oh yeah, and and there there's like this fucking encampment with heads. On pipes. Yeah, she's made this little lean-to. She has staked out her claim with these three heads. Like, who are you scaring away with that? Like, And we did get a little interesting tidbit here when they're talking about... So they find these heads. They confirm that these are not, in fact, people. Humans. They're vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and But Jody's uh-huh. taken aback by this. Yes. Because she stops Sam, Dean is is again kind of charging ahead into the encampment. But she stops Sam and says, "Wait, but I did the checks, Alex. I sent her some tissue samples from the bodies, and we did all the all the checks. Silver, holy water, uh, uh, dead man's, no blood. man's blood. Yeah, yeah nothing. No man's blood. No man's land. <laughs> dead man's blood. Nothing affected them. Like this is why I thought that this was just a human thing." And I think that's super interesting too. Like, it's just like stand again. It's kind of like that wayward uh, sisters uh, groundwork that we're laying down. Yeah, there's these really small lines and really small moments that is speaking so much about this world that we don't get to see on the daily because this is the Sam and Dean show rather than the side character show. But, ugh. I, I feel like we're going to talk later about the wayward feelings in depth, mm-hmm. but it just is, it's a further comfort, but it's also a further salt in the wound of what could have been. It, it is. And I, I, so I was just like, is this like standard operation? Does, does, does uh, Jody just like steal a fucking like skin slice off of these bodies and send it to her daughter? Like, well, I feel like the average body that comes in, she'll be like, no, oh, this is fine. But she had three, uh-huh. three headless bodies that have pokey marks in them. And she's like, well, that's not normal. And so she'll run the books on those. That's true. But yeah, I feel like there must be this hierarchy of weird that she works through. <laughs> because you know the second that she brings home something that might be monster related, Claire's ears are going to prick right forward and she's going to be so excited. And like, do I get to be involved in this? Yeah. So I can imagine Jody is a little bit... Um, she has a certain rubric that she'll measure a case against before she'll go and involve the girls with it yeah and 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 we even saw in that brief text message exchange um that even when jody has has told claire like no it's just a human thing she's still gnawing on that bone she's still like yeah is it monsters yet is it monsters yet (laughs) 
Yeah, she is looking for something that she can dig into. Mm-hmm. So while Sam and Jody are looking at the vampire heads, Dean's gone over to the fire. He sees that the stones are still warm and there is a can of food that is also hot to the touch. So they mustn't have missed the camper here by much. Yeah. And uh, Dean slowly rises from his crouch and he turns around and he sees something familiar he sees the uh, the landscape of trees that he saw in his vision of Michael getting stabbed or his memory of Michael getting stabbed uh, with this spear. And he knows now knows that he is in the same spot that he that Michael was injured in. Yes. So that tells us that it must have been one of the more recent things that Michael had done was to go and try to find this spear. Because if this conflict that Dean remembers with the figure that we know is Dark Kyle has happened and she hasn't moved along yet, then it makes me wonder whether her confrontation with Michael was recent or if she has rotating camps and just happened to come back to this one, or what the case is, what happened for her history. I totally, I totally read that as um, this this Michael confrontation had to have been very recent for Kaya to still be there, exactly there. Yeah, that makes sense. I think where my confusion came up was that when. Cass was doing the mind reading for Dean that we almost went in reverse order for the things that Dean had being yeah was being picked up from Dean's thoughts and so this read to me as it would be something that was deeper into the past but it could be true that it was just deeper in the subconscious yeah that read to me as it was deeper in his repression. Yeah, at any rate, if he stands up, Dean stands up and Dark Kaya is there and they get into a fight right off the bat. And she is doing some... I'm like, wow, choreography. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Kaya, Dark Kaya. I, I can't call her Dark Kaya. I, I, because, I mean, I'm just so... Ugh, ugh, Kaya feels... Kaya feels. Yeah. I just... Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, Kaya, her... She's so extra with this spear. It's oh, so... I know. She's got dramatic bitch disease. She's uh-huh. just, again, like, we're going pure aesthetic. I gotta look fucking cool while I'm killing you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. So there, I loved, I, <laughs> I loved how she just literally appeared between all three of them, Jody, Sam, and Dean, like she just appeared as a specter in oh, this yeah. triangle of hunters. Like, did- yeah, like the, the, <laughs> they were all just standing around with like their fingers in their noses, and then she's like, "Bam, got you, <laughs> kick ass, kick ass, kick ass." Yeah, and then because like- she fins off all three of them in this circle, and yeah. it's like, where did she come from? And like, there's a door right there, and she's like, "No, you know what?" 
I'm going to do <laughs> javelin and then I'm going to like I'm doing my own track and field games right now. I'm going to do high jump following that. I'm going to do some cool somersaults when I land and I'm grabbing my spear and I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is just left stunned in the wake of this uh, of seeing the figure's face. Yes. Up to this point, it was like, oh, it's just somebody, and it's probably somebody that had to do with Kaya's death because we recognize that figure. But to know that it is the face of Kaya herself takes them all by surprise. Right, right, right. And Jody says, it looked just like her. How is that possible? And me, I'm like, my inner SBN is like, bruh. You know, like three things that can imitate yeah. a person's face. Yeah. yeah, but 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 uh, yeah. How is that possible, Jody? Ask and Dean's just like, well, another action item. Let's go find her and ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but let's find out. Yeah, this is an excellent excuse to keep on going. <laughs> and we go back to. The bunker and uh, Cass and Jules and Jack. Yes. They're still in the infir- infirmary and Jules is reading through an ingredient list and she goes like, oh, sheep's eyes. And Cass just <laughs> knows exactly where that would be. Like, he's like the storage uh-huh. room, the red box. It's in the one labeled gross stuff. Like, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And like... And- you know that Dean was the one responsible for that labeling system, right? Like, I oh, oh so many inventory thoughts, so many uh, hours of organizing and domestic. Yeah, team deciding free will. what <laughs> you sit there and you go, are these eyes expired? Like they would have been sorting through all of the things that was in the Men of Letters bunker uh-huh. and deciding what things they would allow to stay in their take on this environment. I know. And yeah, making... Just gross stuff. Gross stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and for Cass to know exactly where it is, it's just uh, oh, it's so it's cute. Yeah, I really liked it. It just spoke to again the backstory invitation we are given to imagine the characters' lives. Any sort of insight into these moments that aren't on camera. I really enjoy just being given sort of a bone to gnaw on and think about. Bobo. Thank you, Bobo. Thank you, Bobo. So, yeah, they're looking through the ingredient list. And while this is going on, Laura asks if Cass is Jack's dad. And Jack answers... Laura is... Yes. Laura is the the victim of the witch's spell. Uh-huh. And Laura asks if Cass is Jack's dad. And Jack answers that Cass is one of them. Uh, that also... I mean, Bobo! Yeah. Like... For a viewer of the show and you know who all the characters are, you're like, yeah, that is one of Jack's dads. But when you see from Laura's perspective, now she knows that Jack has more than one dad. And it's given to, that information is given in such a casual manner. I I just like it. I'm like, it might be a small scrap, but I'm sitting there going, num, 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 num. <laughs> Uh, I'm with you. I am 100% with you. I am. I I got my plate lined up for that buffet. Yeah. Yeah. And from Laura next, we get, I 
if I had to critique, I would say it felt a little heavy-handed that Laura oh, goes into saying how her mom probably hates her right now because she ran away. And, like, I wrote down her one stoplight town, and I'm like, bitch, you're lucky you have a stop. Oh, you have a stoplight? Good job, <laughs> because I have stopped signs, like... <laughs> <laughs> little miss Heidi mighty like doesn't uh-huh. realize what she anyways I'm like, no, <laughs> no girl i get it this one stoplight town you ran away from and she got taken in by someone who seemed kind and that was going to be good and take care of her but lo and behold this person turned out to be a witch and she and two other girls that were staying there ended up being locked up and one by one withering away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought the exposition was a little heavy-handed. I absolutely agree. Um, but yeah, we got all that information and 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 we see Jack just grow, growing attached a little bit. Yeah, and the, again, this this part of the exposition is meant for Jack and the way that he was packing up a bag and intending to leave before he came to the infirmary. Now he is being given a cautionary tale of a character who was about, or a character who did the thing that he was about to do and how it turned out badly for her. And I didn't even so, think about that parallel. Honestly, like, I that's feel a good like point. that's why that was there, was just as a reminder to Jack of like, the things that he would have been giving up had he just walked out the door. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she never says anything negative about her mother, just that or her family, she never says anything negative about her family and, and, and the, the home that she ran away from. It's just that she was. Uh... Yeah. That, that home, she didn't feel like it was a place for her. She felt she had outgrown it and that there was more things out there in the world for her to pursue. And then when she went out into the world and met it, she was met with danger instead. Yeah. And she was, and, and she watched her friends die and, and now she's scared that she's going to meet the same fate. She's saying that she, she is withering away exactly as she saw her friends. Yeah, the only difference is she's going faster. Yeah, and and an exasperated, exasperated. Is that not the right word? Exacerbated. Let's pretend. uh, At a a, much faster. (laughs) Yeah, at a much faster rate. Uh, and, and, and again, we see Jack being very sympathetic and he says, he tries to reassure her the best he can, uh, which is to say his, is to express his trust in Cass. And he says, don't worry, Cass will fix this. Cass, uh, will know what to do. I promise Cass will fix this. And the, the scene ends, we can see that Cass has been listening into this conversation and perhaps doesn't feel Jack's level of confidence. Yeah. And Cass's face in that moment, it's just, uh, he definitely does not have the same confidence and, and you see that fear in him that he's going to let Jack down. It was almost yes. the same feeling as when Jack said like sleeping beauty and, and, 
Cass just had that face. Yeah, Cass is wrestling with, you know, how much do I bring the truth to him? Like, how much do I shatter his perception in this moment? Because he wants to let... He wants Jack to remain innocent and not naive, but just the good heart that he has. And so these opportunities to sort of break the illusion that Jack is under um, really gets to Cass and he weighs them with difficulty. Yeah. So after this scene, we go back to Sam and Jody following Dean, who is tracking Dark Kaya. And they bring up now that when they saw Kaya, that she had bruises on her face. And Sam and Jody don't say it explicitly, but they think that perhaps Kaya was scared of Michael. And so seeing Dean is probably the last thing that Kaya wants right now. But Dean hears all this. He's like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways, and wants to keep on going ahead. He's just stubborn about finding her regardless of these more um, emotional implications of his presence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Jody and, and, and Sam are still exchanging those looks in the background. Yes, looks, TM, TM. Uh-huh. But back to the bunker, Cass and Jules are now actually doing the spell and this burst of purple cloud comes at the end of it and they look to the victim Laura really hopefully like okay did this reverse spell work (laughs) and Laura gasps and then she I wrote super withers she's (laughs) she's, like someone's got a straw into her Capri Sun of life and they're just getting that container to like the skinniest (laughs) measure possible that's one way to put it. Yes, it's the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want a different way? No, no, no. She that's... fucking died. She fucking died. She oh, couldn't man. hardly breathe out the little gasps of help, help that she was yes. saying towards Jack, and Jack is just horrified. Yeah, she 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 clings to Jack and she says, "Help me, help," and just they're helpless yeah yeah that's the thing that jack has been trying to avoid so hard this so far this season he doesn't want to be helpless he wants to be able to fix things and here he is with someone that i mean he he grows attached quite quickly but Mm. he still has become attached to this person and made promises about their well-being and then to see them take an action to try and help and it causes harm instead. It's just devastating. Yeah, an absolute slap to the face and a reinforcement of everything that he has been struggling against for the past month. Yes. Yep, yep. And we go back to the forest. Yep, we're we're cutting (laughs) back and forth here. Uh Jody has received... Jody kind of pauses because she's getting a phone call coming in and it's got Claire's name on it and she just like boops the do not disturb on right now. She doesn't want to take that call because that's opening a can of worms that she can just not deal with right now. She admits that Claire has a right to know about what they just discovered, you know, that there is the Kaya doppelganger out there. But she But again, she's so fearful because she knows that she says 
uh, when it comes the the first mention of Kaya and Claire's a powder keg. Yes, uh, she's she knows that this will have some. It'll have such a destabilizing effect on Claire, and that's the thing that Jody is trying to find for her girls. She's trying to find stability and balance to their lives. Yeah, and Sam's kind of nodding along like, yeah, that's tough. And and Jody says, first love strikes quick. Sla- slaps my, slaps my leg, sticks my leggy out real far. Dream Hunter! <laughs> Dream Hunter! Yeah, yeah. And in confirmation of the subtextual reading that we got of last season's Kaya and Claire interactions. Yes. And it's, again, wayward feels abound. It's just like this episode, this whole episode is so jam-packed with these these juicy little wayward morsels and it just feels like a bobo it's almost a fuck you because bobo's giving us an epilogue to the season that never was you know that's a good way to put it we never got the wayward sisters series but he is giving us some closure to those storylines uh, that is that's yes exactly i was going to say like uh, <laughs> two middle fingers up <laughs> two middle fingers up like this is what you could have had motherfuckers but <laughs> oh that i i wish we still had because i mean sidebar but when we're thinking about season 15 coming forward and we're thinking about the possible endings for it just even having wayward sisters out there as a spin-off series puts so much more optimism on the likely outcome of season 15 because if a spinoff is out there then I mean to go to the more behind the scenes matter of it but that becomes an opportunity to have cameos for existing characters and you know if Jared and Jensen and Misha and Ruthie and Alex and blah 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 they they have a place where they can pop in from time to time as guest stars and still give the characters, still give the audience the taste of those characters. We have got to have an entire special topic episode about Wayward and where the supernatural universe is going from season 15 and beyond because we've kind of touched on it before, I don't think I wouldn't be surprised if Wayward was even picked up this year in the wake I, of the announcement of love, season 15. Yeah. They they yeah. If if we're not careful this episode is going to become the Wayward episode, but they they've got to be fools for not picking it up. There's a built-in audience. There's so much intrigue. You have the world already established. You have the characters already established like Tell me who I need to talk to and, like, <laughs> shake that petition ad again. Like, here's the names of, like, a shitload of fans who were like, remember Wayward? We fucking do. Like, Supernatural built the CW network. Yes, I will say it. Not Jane the Virgin. Not... Uh... Supernatural preceded the fucking CW. Like, it's the only show from the WB that was the little engine that could. Like, it survived this takeover. It survived hiatus, like, writer's strike of 2008. 
it's survived all of these things. And you even heard the head of CW being like, the only way that we would cancel it is if the ratings fucking tanked. Other than that, they have as many seasons as they want. And again, right. And there's you have so- a cash cow. Milk it. Yeah, milk that cash cow. This is the one time that I will ever say that for any franchise. But yes. Did. Wayward, Super- wayward, wayward, wayward. Like, tell Supernatural me how many times you soon. will not die with with season 15. It, it will if they're stupid. Like, no you'd have to, way. you would have to be actively stupid is what I was, like, you have to be like, that's a smart move. Okay, let's do the opposite of that. <laughs> that's about the only way that you would fumble with the, with the built-in community, the built-in fandom that comes with the show. Like I said, a whole special topic episode. We could go on and on. I'm so I'm so ready for it. Yes. I mean, they even had five years ago. I, uh, again, I guys, listeners, lovely listeners, tune in for because it'll come eventually. We'll but, have like a whole fucking salt round on that one. <laughs> they even had a, a failed spinoff like five years ago. And if you were thinking about it five years ago, holy shit. Seven years ago, and if you were thinking about it seven years ago, then you, you've got to be getting on that now. Okay, I'm, I'm cutting this off. I'm cutting this off. We gotta go back. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um. So we're back at the bunker with, with. No, 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 no. Um, so Jody and Sam just finished talking about Claire and then Jody takes this opportunity to ask about Dean. You know, what's going on there? And Sam gets the somebody now that he can talk to. He's just like, I don't know, but Dean's working through something alone. He's not ready for what we're doing. And Jody does the maybe he needs it. And I didn't bring this up earlier, but I'm like, there are, again, parallels that we are seeing between Dean and Jack. Like, as early as this as this episode this season we are seeing dean as someone who needs to throw himself into action and he feels perhaps powerless he feels like he hasn't been useful to his family and so he needs something physical concrete that he can put his hands on and get work done and jack who has also been struggling with this feeling of being useless and not able to bring anything to the table. He has been begging for permission to become involved and he's being turned away at things. So I'm like, they're both so similar in instinct. Uh, yeah. And oh, in episode one, uh, uh, you know, episode two, episode three, we saw Jack kind of turned away from the action, but in episode one, uh, uh, Sam, uh, repeated that same sentiment that Jody um, yep. has put forth that maybe he needs it. And that's exactly what Sam did in including Jack on that, that first, that first, yep. that Motown meets the Motown meets um, uh, uh, and uh, field trip. <laughs> yeah. So I liked seeing the parallels between that. Like Jack needs this. Dean needs this. And, and here, even in this episode, Jack needs a win, which is yeah. why it's so devastating to see we have Laura yes. failed. We, where we have failed Laura. Yeah. 
Jack was willing to go outside the bunker and stake his claim in trying to find his own win. And then he comes across the infirmary, makes the decision to stay there instead. But even here on his home territory, things aren't going well. Yeah. So after the scene that ends with Sam and Jody, um, we cut to Kaya and she's broken into a cabin that's in this woods and she finds drink and food and is basically just replenishing herself to go on to the next bit. And when she exits out the door, Dean has hidden himself and he knocks her out clean and Jody and Sam see this happen and they're a bit taken aback that I guess Dean took that brutal step of just knocking her unconscious with a hit to the face there there is a coldness in it that so far we've seen determination but this is the first moment where we see action ruthless yeah yeah a ruthlessness exactly that's the word So this goes to Kaya being tied up in a chair and set down for interrogation. And we get insight into the fact that this is not their Kaya, but the Kaya that came from the bad place. And I liked, you notice that Dean mentions almost in a throwaway line, oh, so like bad Cass or the new Bobby. So some point since the last season, season 13, it Cass has brought to Dean and probably Sam's attention that, you know, he came across his alternate universe self. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Pause. Oh my god. Wait. <laughs> Wait. It was such a throwaway line, but I'm like, there are again, I'm like, Bobo! Bobo! You Bobo! carry so many implications in all the lines that you do. Like, I love you, but like, my god. I, I sat down at the table and my plate is just so full right now. I have so many morsels to pick through. Oh my god, no. I didn't even oh my god, my back hurts. I can't <laughs> <laughs> What have you done to me? My The my, implications have thrown out your back. I am spiraling. Okay, so I mm-hmm. obviously, as you may have been able to tell, I did not even consider that until this throwaway line we had had no acknowledgement uh, between Cass and the Winchesters that that he actually had that confrontation with his alternate self I mean uh, he was Cass was the only person who actually interacted with his alternate self we didn't even know that there was a uh, the Winchesters would have no way of knowing that bad cast was a thing unless cast talked about it and uh, hey i just need like 16 codas on this like oh my god well, well like and i'm gonna introduce another thought to you that it was the alternate universe charlie who also interacted with the alternate universe cast and so there is the possibility that this charlie in some passing conversation brought up you know like oh you know oh. that guy it's so weird seeing him around because like I so knew weird his that's other a self. mild way of putting it well i don't want to be like hey it's so traumatizing to see this guy just standing over there but like so that could have been the way that this information was brought up to them and then that would be like 
a bit of a shocker and introduce a new conversation that Dean or Sam would want to have with Cass. Like, hey, so yeah, you you did a stabby at your alternate self. And no one saw him do the stabby. He decided no, to, he no. executed decision, decided to do the stabby. Again, it was just one fucking line, but you just mentioned bad cast and like my ears are standing at attention and I'm like, <laughs> oh fuck, like it's so many thought, like math equations appearing in front of my face. Like how was this <laughs> knowledge imparted? Like what did it mean? What was that conversation like? I didn't even have that thought. And I'm like... I'm, I, that's I, why I wrote it down. I was like, Remy needs to know because I know Remy will like <laughs> freak out. Remy will want to know this. I didn't know. I didn't know. And who... I wonder... Did, 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 did Cass tell both of them? Or did Cass just tell mm-hmm. Dean? And mm-hmm. then maybe, maybe Sam in that moment is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, we're going to be revisiting this later. Oh my god. And it's like, did they visit it with, like, seriousness? Did Cass try to just pass it off as, like, a no big deal type thing? All of these questions. Oh. oh. There's so many ways that My it heart gone about. And I, again, I love, 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 love when the narrative trusts you enough to, you know, we'll, we'll throw it out there. If you don't catch it, then whatever. But if you do, then you can play through it on your own terms and decide what it means. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I complain. <laughs> I just love to complain about like too much exposition or heavy handed writing or, or uh, for overstuffed. Yeah. Uh, but then, but then shit like this happens and I'm just like, Oh, totally oblivious. Like <laughs> <laughs> I miss the nuance. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. back on. <laughs> we, we've taken this train cart. We're putting it back on the rails. So we get, information from this dark Kaya saying that what I was to her she was to me and you'll never understand it but also that she never meant to kill Kaya she had meant to kill Claire which of course hits really hard Jody loses some sympathy yeah and I'm like what was that motivation was she aware that our Kaya had feelings for Claire and was like nope we gotta conceal don't feel nip that shit in the bud and just take that out. Like, why was Claire a threat to her? Ooh, that is that. Yeah, because I did actually have that thought in the moment. I just didn't examine it. Uh, why did she want to kill Claire? And I'm I'm sure if we had a Wayward Sisters TV series, that this would be a explored story mm-hmm. of what was going on there. I'm like, maybe because I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, so Archaia's dead, so that romance definitely died. But if the reason why the other Kaya killed her was because she didn't want to catch feelings, but then she does anyways. I'm like, it's so dark and it's so dramatic and it's so romantic. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There is there is a teen giddiness about it inside me about where that storyline could have gone. Give it to us. <laughs> but... This this dark Kaya is refusing to give more answers and she just says that Dean Dean Michael where she doesn't say explicitly but like he's the reason why she's on the run. Yeah. And she goes right for the fucking 
solar plexus, she says that Dean is weaker. Like, she knows that. No, you're not, Michael. You're the weak version of him. Yeah. Like, ugh. Well, we gotta think, like, it's just like you said, in the moment at the camp, um, she saw Dean... And but she she doesn't know the difference. I mean, it it, it she could have just been trying to. She, she went in swinging because yes. it could it could have been Michael. She was just attached by attacked by Michael. But then now she knows after that fight, after this chase through the woods, she she taunts Dean with this. You know, I approached you as Michael, but I see now that you are not him you're weaker than him and i'm not afraid of you yes and she knows there is this weak point within dean that she this vulnerable place that she can just apply pressure to by saying you are just like him you're just a weaker version of him and we we will see that in the upcoming scene where um where this plays out but we're getting um, if we're going on a scene-by-scene basis still, then we're getting a sort of quick, rapid-fire cut back and forth between the bunker and to Dean and Kaya essentially yeah. confronting each other. Yeah, because we cut back to the bunker here with Jack crying over Laura's corpse. and Yeah, Cass is covering her body with a blanket. Well, sheet. <laughs> yeah. And and Jack says we 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 let her die, which yes. oh that that hit me like you like that's that's just mean. Come on. <laughs> well, he we're we're told from the get go that he is approaching this bit like a fairy tale, and now it's not following the script, and it just it hurts for him to think like. If I had my powers, I could have done something. This wouldn't have happened. And just sort of laying accountability on himself when he really shouldn't. So the the Winchester way, basically. <laughs> yeah. And we see that. We see that from Dean later, too. So poor Laura's dead. Jack is apologizing. And we enter into this back and forth of scenes between the cabin where Kai is being held and Jack going through a revelation. And just for simplicity's sake, let's follow Jack's storyline first and then we'll go back to Dean. So Jack, Jack is looking at Laura and he's just not satisfied with the thought that this is where it's over. And he has almost a moment of illumination when he's thinking. And so he wants to know where the witch's body is. They go to the autopsy room, they pull her out and he's saying that bullet is still inside of her and whatever magic she was using, it's not a metaphor. It, she is using those girls to keep her young. And so if that magic is trying to revive her, then it's no wonder that Laura is dying at a really quick rate slash dead already. Right, because the magic is trying to keep the switch from dying, except she's basically already dead. And and apparently there's a fucking morgue in the b- bunker? I am not complaining. And the morgue is in the infirmary again. <laughs> Not complaining. Not complaining. Like, it's just we're learning something new every day. It's, yeah. And I feel like is this is the first time that we've seen this infirmary too? Yeah, it is. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love it. Anyways. No, it's great. So, it's great. And so we pull out the drawer on this morgue. Uh, fr- this We fridged this corpse of the uh, witch because yeah, apparently like, we like brought Like 10 it, feet away from Laura. Yeah. Apparently we like brought it home with us to the bunker instead of like burning it or well i think it's kind of smart because if this witch was living like okay laura left her one stoplight town and she was trying to find something else and if she was willing to stay at this witch then this witch must have been offering things along the life that she wanted so i'm thinking that this was like an urban area yada 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 so if they killed this witch and then burned the body in the background you know the neighbors are calling the cops so so I mean, well, um, I'm like, damn, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good thought, man. I was, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's a clever fucking move because again, I'm like, where, what do they do with all the fucking bodies that they cause each week? Like, do they just leave it there? Like, crime scene mama is gonna come and investigate this shit. Oh my god! But like, for Jules to just be like, we're gonna pack that bitch up in the trunk, we're taking her uh-huh. home, and we're gonna cremate her where nobody's gonna worry about uh-huh. it. I'm like, again, small world building details that I'm juicy, juicy, juicy tidbits. <laughs> and and I'm so glad you're here to reveal them. Yeah. And so <laughs> too many thinky thoughts about what the director was probably like, oh, let's just put them in the same room. Why right, because not? we like, needed them. We needed the witches. Me, I'm just like, okay, we needed the witch's body there, so we're just going to, like, cut some corners. But uh, you're you're the expert in twisting it yeah. into making yeah, yeah. sense in don't a worry, great way. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, don't worry, guys. I got the narrative for you. Yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking <laughs> great. Uh, um, but... But yeah, so Jack pulls this piece of jewelry off. Well, the wait, wait, wait. Six-year-old me. me is fucking salivating over it. Like, it's such gaudy costume jewelry. I love it. Let, no, wait. Let me. Let no, me. No, because... I'm on this. I'm <laughs> no, let me. Let me. So Jack pulls out the drawer and the morgue in the infirmary in the bunker yep. that we have yep. never seen before. And and this woman is... is it, it, She's glowing. She has this piece of jewelry on um, identical to the one that Laura kind of... Uh, indicated to earlier that this this amulet it's an amulet it's this a six dollar piece of costume jewelry that looks tacky and i love it that looks tacky as shit <laughs> i love it so much give me the costume jewelry again child brain me is just glowing <laughs> like it's christmas morning i'm like it's so fucking good what the fuck? and and so and so this amulet on this witch's chest is glowing no it's it's radiant. It's a beautiful cut. It's a 16 carat emerald. Green glowing uh, amulet. Green amulet. Like, nah, that checks out. Nothing suspicious yeah, here. Like, what? Again, their lives are so weird. It doesn't even ping on their ear. <laughs> they're not good at pattern matching, okay? They're like, Laura has one. The witch has one. I yeah, know. that's normal. We've seen two of them. That's got to be normal. I'm just like, I love I love Jack, like, Sherlock Holmesing this out. Ex- except it's oh, yeah. this big glowing gem on a dead witch's <laughs> chest. Like, oh, no. Maybe there's something to this. Yeah, maybe there's something there. Yeah, I remember the first time watching this being like, no shit. <laughs> That's exactly the, the what I thought. The glowy emerald that she's wearing, like Laura's wearing, you didn't have any questions about that. <laughs> you weren't like, 
okay, you're you're teen and like that's what you want to be wearing. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. But then I guess like it's Cass and Jack and Jules. So I'm like, Jules, we were really relying on you to be able to call on this woman's fashion. <laughs> sounds like. Okay, okay. So Jack basically resolves this by grabbing the costume jewelry and going smashy with a hammer <laughs> and the glow escapes the jewel and it goes back to Laura and Laura does a whole gasp revive thing <laughs> and Cass looks so fucking proud of Jack. He just... Jack saves the day! Yeah, and... oh. His heart just swells. And we didn't, and we haven't even talked about how Cass, uh, you know, you say that he looked at Jack with pride in his eyes, but also we, like, we, this whole scene has been framed in Jack's perspective of how Jack feels about failing this girl. But, you know, Cass feels that shit just as deeply. And... I'm sorry for, like, tacking on to the two-hour timeline here, but, like, it, it it's going to the Winchester relationship with death, where, like, we can't accept it, we have to change it. And so Jack's instincts is that we can't let this lie, we have to, we have a solution, we just haven't seen it yet, and he hunts until he finds it and reverses death. Yeah, we have that moment of crushing defeat, but we're, <sighs> we have to fight against the dying of that light. <laughs> Yeah. Always, always, always. The Winchester way. (laughs) Yeah. And so this moment of pride from Cass towards Jack culminates this little bit of storyline and we can switch back to where Dean and Kaya are essentially confronting each other. And Jody wants to take Kaya someplace safe because they just covered the fact that Kaya is on the run from Michael's monsters. So who knows how long they can stay in this one place before some shit goes down. But Dean is not about it. Yeah, he's he says, no, we have to settle this here and now. We have to break her. Yes, he says break her. And that takes both Sam and Jody by surprise. Yeah. Because it speaks of this level of severity and Jody brings it up almost like, are you willing to torture for this information? And Dean is... Yeah, yeah. Dean, this is, again, that ruthlessness. We've uh, veered from determination into ruthlessness and that it's, it's starting to go a step too far. Yeah, and... This Kaya lamp shades the fact that Dean has done this before. You know, if no, this isn't coming from Michael. This is you in your core because whenever you have not gotten your way with Kaya, you put a gun in her face. And yeah, I do like that we brought that back because I remember in season 13 when Dean did that, when he threatened Kaya with the gun in her face, I felt like that was such an overreach of his anger in that moment it was it was shocking we we talked at length about that scene uh at the time and it was such a hard scene to watch yes that he would go to any length to save a family member like he threatened kaya at that time because mary was in danger and he needed kaya in order to find her like it, if we were just left that action in season 13 and had that left hanging, it's nowhere near as satisfying as bringing that element around again and having the the victim almost like 
it's not our Kaya, but it is Akaya who knew of it and like knew what Kaya's feelings were about that. And stating to a main character like that wasn't okay you did it because you were scared and this is what you do you're no different than michael you use threats and violence to get what you want and saying that dean is just like michael is the thing that seems to really set dean off yeah but but in this moment it sets Dean off because he sees the truth in it yes he doesn't want that to be true and when she mentions that I saw what you did to Kyle, like that gun in your in her face, Dean physically steps back from this. Like he can feel the guilt. Like he knows that what he did at that time, he didn't feel good about. But but that doesn't stop him in this moment. No. 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 And we get a sense from this next scene that Kaya doesn't mean this with any ruthlessness or callousness because she says that Dean it's his anger and his impatience they all come from fear that Michael has hurt both of them and this is the first moment that we have explicitly stating that Dean has been hurt by Michael because up to this point Dean has been avoiding this fact performing yes again He's trying to bundle up what happened to him regarding Michael and treat it like something that is just in his past and it doesn't affect him. Yeah, but Kaya calls him out on it and and kind of pulls up all of that fear and hurt by saying, you know, I know who you are and I actually relate to it. Not only do I know who yeah. you are, but I I know why you are how you are and I know what you're thinking in this moment and I know what you want yeah like dark Kaya is an embodiment of trauma here she was from the bad place she spent her whole life on like on the defense protecting herself from bigger threats having to weaponize herself and so there's a lot of trauma and damage to her backstory and now that she is in conflict with Dean she is the trauma of himself that won't go away it's being brought up again to the surface and as much as Dean wants to ignore it here are facts being thrown at him that he is not okay yeah and when Kaya says you know he hurt the both of us Michael hurt the both of us we kind of segue into the Kaya and Michael flashback on the actual confrontation between Kaya and Michael yes we are shown what happened between Michael and Kaya Michael without his coat but with his paper (laughs) boy cap came to her with a deal which is essentially I know that you don't belong in this world either you bleed the same different energy that I do and that weapon of yours I want it and you can either join me and give it or I'll kill you and take it in fighting if you fight you die yeah yeah and she's like okay fight yes 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 so she attacks Michael rather than uh, submit to Michael. Yeah. And even though he is barehanded, he is kept, like, he's being treated as a threat and keeping pace with her 
feints, her jabs, he's parrying, all of these things. And she still is like the aesthetic TM <laughs> as she fights. Hey, Michael had a little bit of that too with his little like posing. His Yeah, yeah. His little step back with his leg, uh-huh. like, his leggy sticking. It was back. a yeah. dance. Yes. He was ready with his side of the blows. And he didn't expect that when she got knocked down that she would take him down too. So she kicks the legs out from him and she does a good stabby into his arm and he goes, owie, 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 and flees like a little bitch. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, the conversation has gone on long enough inside of that cabin. Sam's like, we should go, but Jody's like, "Uh uh-oh, we got visitors when she looks out the window. There are... I thought they were wolves, and then I'm like, no, it's just because of the prosthetics. There's uh-huh. three vampires that have shown up, Oops. and guess who's coming for dinner? Those fucking prosthetics. Are, I, you know, and as I was thinking on the prosthetics a little bit more, um, I was like, well, you know, before, I think that we were just doing CGI teeth, but here we have actual prosthetic teeth, but they're worse. They're bad. It's not good. It's just not a good scene. So I'm like, you know, there was ADR taking place because that poor actor would have such difficulty delivering clean lines. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you're kind of buffer. Yeah. So, so we have, we have three vampires, uh, uh, burst into the building and, and immediately tack, Jody, Sam, and Dean. And Dean yes. shoots one of the vampires and he shakes it off and gives a smug little smile and says, those spiked bullets don't work on us anymore. And by spiked, we're like dead man's blood. But, well, I was going to say, why would Dean even have had uh, specifically dead man's blood bullets in his cult? But I'll give it to him since they did stumble across the vampire heads so yeah i think those heads plus the time that they've spent in the fictitious forest has led to (laughs) them probably taking a break and taking stock of which weapons they should have out Mm -hmm. because when this fight breaks out machetes are coming out a flying and furniture is getting broken and everyone's getting their faces wailed on yeah yeah, Dean has out his gun, but the vampire's holding his arm down. But Dean is like, oh, I'm going to line up this perfect shot and shoots Kaya's chair, like the leg of uh-huh. it. And Kaya's like, oh, suddenly my arms are free. <laughs> like, yeah. I am frustrated with this moment, but I will accept no, it. No, I had the exact same thought. Like, yeah, let's. She's like, ropes came loose when you shot the gu- you shot the wood, and then the rope just let me go. <laughs> the rope was so scared it uncoiled itself. <laughs> and Dean just looks so proud about the fact that Kaya's loose, and you're gonna get your ass kicked. And Kaya just whoop 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 through the window. She's gone. And Dean's face is just, oh, well, and Dean, that wasn't a forcing comb comb. Uh, yeah, right. Like, Dean, you were the one who just tied her to a chair and threatened to torture her. Like, it, this is a, a house full of enemies. There are uh, six people in this room and none of them are friends. Why, yeah. <laughs> why would you ever yeah. expect anything different than what happened? Yeah. Why wouldn't she later days? I like? know. But yeah. So fighting, fighting, fighting. 
Um, <sighs> Jody's arm gets broken. Oh. A wolf grabs a machete ready to go, but then boom, Kaya's in and she's stabbed his face like right through the head. And then she just goes, Will it blend on the other <laughs> two? And they will. Their heads are gone. <laughs> that and little just... helicopter uh, twirl yes. of, the, of the spear. She's so extra. It's so extra. I literally have in my notes Kaya and Spear so extra. That's my. Only. Yes. And I love how she just stood there with like her arm out and the spear behind her. I and know. she's like, yeah, bitch, this one's mine. Like, this is an extension of my body. You ain't fucking taking uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then Jody is like, well, you didn't have to save us. And and Kaya is just like mouth directly against the microphone. I didn't. <laughs> I was just killing the monsters. Like <laughs> Because if I didn't, like, if I just ran, then they would hunt. You guys were getting your asses kicked. Like, they would have come after me. I just bought myself some more time. Like, don't flatter yourself, basically. I got them now when they were distracted by the three idiots in the room who couldn't hold their own. Yeah, yeah. In this fight. Yeah. And Kaya and Dean have a stare down. Like, Dean, you can see, just is making grabby eyes at the sphere. And... If Kaya just sat there and wiggled around, Dean would be like a cat with a laser light. Oh my god. His whole attention was on it. And yet he is refraining from going and grabbing it like he wants to. Yeah. So there's just this unspoken tension that's going on between Kaya and Dean right now. And Dean doesn't want to prove her right by saying he's just like Michael. So he is doing the thing that he doesn't want to do, which is let Kaya leave with it. But he allows it and is disappointed by the fact that he had to. Well, that's just the thing, though. He didn't have to. He wasn't forced to. He didn't. But to prove to himself that he yeah. wasn't as ruthless as Michael, then, like, he that was the choice he had to make in order to differentiate himself from Michael. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He could have made a move and had had Sam restrain him. But I, I love that he chose to restrain himself. Yes. yes. And then they walk back to the car. And, like, <laughs> they must be deep enough in this fictitious forest that it's dark again when they get there. And poor Jody's arm has been broken this whole time. And I just feel so bad for that her. That snap when Jody's arm broke. I just... <laughs> Jody refuses Dean's attempt to apologize. Like, she doesn't even let a breath get out there before she's like, nope, don't. Yeah. And she's such a badass that she doesn't need a ride to the hospital. She's like, no, nah, I've done this before. I can do uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Yeah, Sam uh, offers to drive her to the hospital. She says, oh, nah, this is not, it's not my, it's not my first time driving with a broken arm. Mm-hmm. And she's more nervous about getting to the hospital and Alex finding out uh-huh. that this has happened. And then she definitely needs to let Claire know. And, you know, oh, yeah, I got my arm broken by some vampires while I was trying to get information from Kaya's doppelganger. Claire will be like, and you didn't answer my calls yeah. while you were out there? And... Jody has broken that compact that she has with Claire that, you know, yes. humans are my area, but I, she says, I promise to let Claire in, in on yeah. anything monstery. And, and Jody says, I'm not looking forward to facing the, to- yeah, like the consequences of what has happened yeah. here. 
And also that Jody is shaken by seeing Kaya again. And it just brings up her fears for the girls that are in her care. You know, Alex, Patience, and Claire could be taken from her at any moment. And she's trying so hard to give them room to lead their own lives. But it's such an instinct within her to hold them close and protect them. And she only knew Kaya for a short while, but she feels like she's already lost one of her girls and it just brings to the forefront of her mind that fear that she could, she could lose another. Yeah. And it just, she says like, it feels like an uphill battle for her that she's lost before she's begun because all of these things are stacked against the future that she dreams for. Like her, her kids are going to be in danger and there's nothing she can do to bring that danger to zero. It feels like it can only ever go up. Yeah. So yeah, poor Jody. Jody feels. I, well, I think that again, you, you want to look at this as a, as a wayward epilogue. It's just so it's a lie, but it's good. It's, it's, It really is just so much insight on every character within this verse. Uh, Yeah, because, like, if it feels like this episode is long, dear listeners, it's because this episode also is saying goodbye to the potential spinoff, you know? Yeah. We we have not only an episode of Supernatural here, but we have the the quote-unquote final episode of Wayward Sisters happening at the same time. Ah, I totally, I yeah, I totally agree. We definitely have to dedicate time to these wayward storylines. And-, yeah. and and congrats to Bobo for doing this double duty. Like you had 40 odd minutes of television time to get across all of these things. And you just had Jody as yeah. the character on screen. And yet the presence, well, I shouldn't say just Jody. Jody and Kaya on screen, but you felt Claire, you felt Patience, you felt Alex just in the storytelling. So Yeah, it really, really was good, very good. rich storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so af- after this scene, we get um, Jack is back in his room and he's looking pretty pleased with himself and he sits up when Cass has knocked on the door and Cass has come to tell him that Laura's going back home to her mom. So again, we're getting a little um, implicit idea of, you know, Jack, you should stay home with your family too, like being reinforced. But um, Cass wants to apologize to Jack because they're all going through a lot, but Cass still feels like he hasn't dedicated sufficient time to Jack and what Jack in particular is going through. He should be there for Jack, he says. And I just want to take a moment to mirror this scene to the first episode of the season where we had a very similar scene with Sam and Jack, where Sam felt that he hadn't had the time to dedicate attention to Jack, but... I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that this Cass and Jack relationship where maybe Cass is is feeling that he he's not doing the best he can do by Jack. Um, if we compare it to the Sam 
scene from the very first episode of this season, it's almost like Cass is selling himself short, I think. He's being too hard on himself. Cass sets a really high bar for himself to meet. And I think it is an instinctive part of his nature to just assume that he's falling short. Yeah. That and we, I don't think Whatever he he's doing isn't enough. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, again, I think if there's a dad Olympics going on right now, <laughs> then in this sprint, you know, this 100... Cass is out fucking ahead and <laughs> Sam is lagging behind and Dean just realized that the gunshot went off so he started puffing along the track. But Cass has forgotten that, you know, you're you're doing a good job and like you are being a parent to this kid and the fact that you care so much does have meaning. And that doesn't mean that you're you're getting a pluses across the board but it does mean that your attention does not go unnoticed and i love i love 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 that Cass is just saying that you know skills can take some time to pick up but you show that you have the nature of a hunter you know you have the heart and you have the mindset that's needed for this and, and he I'm, says yes and and he, i'm stealing this line from you and he says uh, to jack that you you made me so proud today mm-hmm. and my heart yes. just like melts he's just beaming as he says it too like Cass is always so earnest when he is speaking with people he cares about and I just love seeing him because it's such a a human thing to do and you forget that this is you know celestial intent that is engaging now on such human levels it it Cass comes into this very like very self depreciating, but all we see is a good boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a good egg, and he's doing his best. And I'm really glad. I I love I him love for him it. for it. Yeah, and and yeah, Cass says that he'll speak to Sam and Dean. That he'll try and get a hunt where it's just him and Jack that are working on it. Like Jack, I'm gonna get you out there. I'm gonna like I am in your corner. I, we are going to get you on cases. Do not worry. You are not going to be sidelined. And and Jack, eager puppy, he's he's all for it. He's like, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote, I'm like, he's so happy. He starts coughing. <laughs> he's so happy. He starts coughing. And, and, and Cass asks if he's okay. But Cat, uh, Jack totally waves it off. He says, I'm human now. And the way that he said it, it was, it was so... It was like a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm human now. I must be getting my first cold. Yeah, NBD. I'm human. Yeah. And then Cass says that he'll go make him soup. <laughs> Cass is going to go make him chicken soup. He's... And I'm like, Cass, do you know how to do it right now? Or are you just going to go Google and do your best? Like, baby, again, storyline. Tell me, tell me, tell, tell me. me. Tell me, tell <laughs> me. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. He's so... He just makes such an effort. Yes. He he doesn't even realize he's in, like, exemplary parent mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially by Winchester Sanders. Yes, yes. It's like, oh, so you didn't dump your kids out in a forest and make them do wilderness training impromptu? Uh-huh. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and we go back to 
So we've had our Cass and Jack wrap up. Yes. And now we go to our Sam and Dean wrap up and we're back in the Impala. Yeah. And this time Dean is more willing to talk. Dean says, you know, I put us in danger today. I was, and it was a stupid danger. And Sam was right that he didn't want to look at what Michael did to him. But um, he just wanted to skip to the end, basically. He didn't want to do the work of recovery. Yeah. He just wanted the conclusion of killing Michael. Get the weapon, slay the monster. I want to be done with it. And it didn't work out like that. And now I have to confront the fact that I don't have a guns blazing action oriented path set out ahead of me. I have to accept that it's not so easy that I can't just, you know, go to the library, grab the candlestick and kill Colonel Mustard. (laughs) There is more to this that I'm going to have to work through. And unfortunately, I don't want to, but I got to. Yeah. Yeah. And then he can't even really make himself say why he said yes to Michael. He just summarizes it with a quick, like, it's stupid. So he's still beating himself up and holding himself to blame for everything that Michael has done with Dean as his vessel. He says that it's, he says literally, it's all on me. Yes. Everything that Michael's done, the army of monsters and all those murders and all the destruction, it's all on me. And me, of course, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, oh no. No, Dean. That's too much responsibility to take. Yeah. It's it's very typical Dean, but it's just, it's also, we see Dean here not able to separate his, his body from his responsibility. I mean, like, what I'm saying is just because Michael uh, used him as a vessel does not, does not mean that he, Dean, is responsible for Michael's actions. I mean, if, if yes. Dean hadn't said yes, then Michael could have found another vessel. Just as, just, I mean. Oh, yeah. Michael would have found another it, vessel. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Dean can't say, like, Michael's decisions are separate from Dean's decisions. He considers them one and the same. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, yes. And Dean now finally fesses up to Sam that yeah. it wasn't a blink. The last thing he needs to get off of his chest yes, is... He let Sam think that it was such a short time period for him, but in reality, he was experiencing every second, like he says second, of being possessed by Michael. Oh. oh. And it's not a... I don't know what you could say is a normal possession, but... He felt like he was drowning the entire time. He was being held below the surface and having to fight every moment to try and regain his breath. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we have had some insight on possession. We've had Jimmy Novak who says it's like hanging on to a shooting star. It's... Yeah, you're chained to a comment. Yeah. <laughs> comment. To a comment. To a comment. Uh, and um, and we saw, you know, Sam possessed by both Lucifer and Gadriel. But I don't know. I think that from what we know of possession, we can only assume that Michael deliberately yes. put Dean in this place of suffering. 
Yes, he created a torturous environment with the intention of breaking Dean's spirit. Yeah, yeah. And and Dean fought it every second of every day and felt it every second of every day. And but he was never he can he he was never strong enough. And yes. Dean feels that to be a failing on yes. his part. And like not to open a whole new can of worms, but like go back to thinking about Dean between season three and season four, you know, he had those 30 years in hell before he broke and what it would have been like to go through that each and every day and to have the strength to turn away. And, you know, just imagine if he was trapped in this scenario for longer, what it would have meant to him to give up fighting against this drowning sensation. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We we do know that he hasn't he didn't reach that breaking moment. Yes, but like I just wonder if it was a a phantom in his memory, thinking like I've given up before and like mm-hmm. I can't do that again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, deep like just the the vision of being almost drowned and to have that continue in perpetuity. It was a very, it was a very provocative image. Yes. And, and we actually, yeah. And we actually, you know, we have our bromit and Dean has finally opened up and Sam finally maybe is approaching understanding. Yeah. An understanding that he definitely didn't have before. Yes. Because Dean wouldn't let him have it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in the corner that Sam should be a bit more sensitive. <laughs> but yeah, but like they've had such a history where, you know, keeping secrets doesn't get them anywhere and they've at least built some trust where, okay, you you say that, I'm going to try and give you every like I'm going to give you trust at face value, but I can also sense something's wrong. Like you you aren't acting like yourself. And so I just want you to have a place where you can unburden this. Yeah. So yeah, it was a nice thing to see Dean acknowledge, you know, it wasn't just easy peasy and I can't just bounce back from being possessed by Michael. There is a trauma there that needs to be acknowledged in order to move past it. Yeah, he's, he, and it wasn't even like, my first instinct was to say he's finally dropping the facade, but it it was partly performative, but mainly it was that uh, go, go, go that we have been seeing on episode. And now that that's finally been stripped away, he has, he has to confront the truth of what he's feeling because like, again, let's assume that it's been a full uh, three days and two nights. And this has just been a very, very long 72 hours. Yeah. This has been a hell of a roller coaster for the characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dean had to sort of peel back the armor and let Sam have a peek inside whether he wanted to or not. And then the very last scene that we have is, uh, is poor Jack. Poor Jack. We're ending on yet another dun-dun-dun. Yes. 
Jack is coughing, this time with blood into a tissue, and it's one of many in his trash bin. And he's looking a little pensive, like, well, that's not normal. Uh, yeah, I'm like, uh, Jack, doctors exist, dude. Like, if I was newly human and I start coughing up blood, like, I, I would be a little concerned. Like, have you had your TB shot vaccination? Like, <laughs> what's up? Yeah, and I, it's got to be that he's thinking, if I bring this to attention, then I'm getting benched for good, you know? I what just, is his thinking? It just it just baffles me. I, I, mean, I think it's got to be, they're going to worry, and, like, I'm a Nephilim, you know? I'm, I'm a Nephilim, there's not going to be something that you can look up in a book that tells you what's wrong with me, like... I think he's just genuinely like, okay, that's not good. And it's just, if I bring this knowledge to any of my dads, then I'm getting benched for good. And that is the last thing that I want to happen. Yeah, but uh, again, this is like, uh, where's your where's your self-preservation, man? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's probably one of the things like, oh, I can just tough it out. Or like, if my grace regenerates right away, then it problem solved. You know, there I can see a naivety in optimism that he might think, you know, this is just temporary. I mean, I, I, I was just like, I was just like, dude, if I had been invulnerable all my life and then I finally, and I suddenly found myself human, uh, you you better fucking believe that I would be uh, going to my mommy every time I burnt a finger. Like, is this normal? Is this? I, I'd be getting a list of all the vaccinations that I am eligible for, and I would get in that I would get that schedule marked out in like uh-huh. my fucking Google calendars. Uh huh. And and that's and scene that's yeah yeah we we end on Chekhov's tissue uh, uh, so, yeah. so Remy what was your favorite part of this episode oh what my god I can't <laughs> I don't th- I don't think I can <laughs> there is there's so much it's such a it was such a dense rich episode it really was there was a there was a lot here uh, man oof yeah I, I think I think the thing that I really liked about it was just the implicit epilogue to Wayward. Like I've said time and time again, I really liked that we were given a bit of closure with what happened there and this nod to the storylines that could have been. I I totally agree. I would. I would, I would, that was what really popped out here. Jody really, and like you said, Jody was the one who had to carry the weight or had to act as the conduit for every wayward character in this episode. Yes. Uh, we got insight on on everyone through Jody, and she did it, she delivered it, and it was just done really well. like like you said it was it was also very implicit yes there was it was very minimalist but it was also very compact yeah and comprehensive (laughs) yes yes yeah so that is season 14 episode (laughs) three the scar holy crap if you guys made it to this end um thank you for sticking with us Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah if you made it this far then 
Woof. <laughs> yeah. But we hope you enjoyed it. No, seriously, because yeah. we hope that you enjoyed it half as much as we did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, it's a it's a Bobo episode. Mark on your calendar when the next one's coming, because you know we're going to have a lot to say about it, too. This guy gives us a lot to chew on, and we're, we're just a dog with a bone we can't let go of. <laughs> And you know what? If you guys have the same level of feelings that we do, or if you have thoughts that you want to share with us, then please, by all means, reach out to us. You can go by email. Um, we have the no chick flick podcast at gmail.com. And we also are on social media. Yeah, you can reach us at Tumblr at no chick flick podcast or Twitter at no chick flick pod. And if you did enjoy this episode, then please do download, subscribe. Uh, Give us a rating if you're interested. Yeah, we see every single one of your comments and downloads and and we... We approach them with enthusiasm. <laughs> to put it mildly, yeah, for sure. And um, we will see you next week. When we cover season 14, episode four, Mint Condition. Thank you guys. And see you then. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This episode was Oops All Berries. Oops All Berries? Yeah, yeah, Captain Crunch, you know, <laughs> the Captain Crunch cereal. Oops, no, all I don't know this. Oh my god, that's a thing. People of the land of the free will know what I'm talking about, okay, B? Okay. Well, <laughs> oh, so you got sugar cereals, and now you're bragging about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you not okay. have sugar cereals? Is it all maple honey crisps up there? Tell me, please, what is cereal, my dear American? <laughs> like. I know sugar cereals. <laughs> I'm not I'm I don't live in that much of the boonies. <laughs>